This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business, a daily podcast hosted by Business News. On campaign finance reform, WA remains out of step with the rest of Australia. On today's episode of At Close of Business, I discuss with Jacinta Burton the hidden costs of electoral success here in WA. But first, here's the news you need to know today. The state government has tightened restrictions for travellers from high-risk jurisdictions while signing off on new directions which will require those in the healthcare sector to be vaccinated by the new year. From Monday, approved travellers from higher-risk jurisdictions, including Victoria and the ACT, will be required to return a negative COVID-19 PCR test, proof of vaccination, and use the G2G Now app upon arrival. The measures are on top of the state's existing self-quarantine and testing requirements. Additional safeguards will also be in place for those travelling from medium risk jurisdictions, with those aged 12 and over required to complete a COVID-19 test 72 hours prior to departure. During a press conference today, Health Minister Roger Cook also announced that vaccines would become mandatory for those working in the state's healthcare sector, from healthcare workers to those providing services at both public and private hospitals. Chief Health Officer Andrew Robertson has now approved new directions for those working in the state's public and private facilities, with those in ICU, high dependency, respiratory wards, emergency departments and COVID-19 clinics given less than two months to get fully vaccinated. From December 1, all other health support workers, including both paid and voluntary workers, will need to have had at least their first dose to enter all public and private hospitals and be fully vaccinated by 2022. Under the new directions, vaccination will be a legal requirement for healthcare workforce in order to attend their place of work. Failure to comply with the directions will be punishable by a fine of up to $20,000. Mr Cook said the state could not get complacent and that it was vital that the entire healthcare workforce get vaccinated for the sake of the patients, the workers and the broader WA community. And Subiaco-based 88 Energy is seeking $24 million to progress drilling at its Merlin 2 well in Alaska. Funds raised will go towards the company's existing working capital and enable the identification and execution of new project opportunities. The company will issue about 855 million shares priced at 2.8 cents each, with Euros Hartleys acting as the lead manager. 88 Energy said the Merlin 2 well is targeting prospective resource of 600 million barrels of oil. Managing Director Ashley Gilbert said the company's ability to fully fund Merlin 2 would provide the company with the commercial leverage and optionality. Drilling is scheduled to start in the first quarter of 2022 and it follows the completion of the Merlin 1 drilling program earlier this year. And in other mining news, Bellevue Gold says it is fully funded to bring its namesake project in WA to production after raising $106 million from a share placement and finalising a $200 million loan with Macquarie Bank. Bellevue announced the placement and loan today, along with a $25 million share purchase plan. It has also completed an updated feasibility study for the project, located 400 kilometres northwest of Kalgoorlie. 
The project is now expected to produce about 200,000 ounces per annum within the first five years of operations, up from 160,000. Its life of mine has improved from 7.4 years to 8.1 years, while the total forecast earnings over the life of the mine have increased by 46% to $2.4 billion. The project now holds a pre-tax net present value of $1.3 billion, up from $876 million. First production is expected to start in June quarter of 2023. We'll be right back. We understand that business relies on being informed. That's why Business News is your most reliable source of news, industry insights and business connections. To stay fully informed, we encourage you to subscribe to our emails, flick through our magazine and visit businessnews.com.au for daily news updates. It's the best way to ensure you have the information you need to be future ready. Business News. More news, more insights, more connections. Now, Jordan, you have written an extensive piece in this latest edition about political donations. There was a lot of research in here. Can you tell me a little bit about what prompted this article? There is an amendment bill that went through the Legislative Assembly in the last session of Parliament. Um, And it would have brought our legislation that governs political donations in this state up to date because at the minute it's actually severely outdated. Um, so what is happening with that amendment bill? Yeah, so that bill was introduced in the last session of Parliament uh, and it would have brought up to date uh, a lot of provisions in the Electoral Act which was written in 1907, so it's quite out of date at this point. Uh, and it would have in- instituted a, a bunch of reforms that uh, a lot of academics think that we need here in WA. Things like caps on spending, caps on donations... Uh, the, a very low threshold for disclosing donations to political parties. Uh, when it got to the Legislative Council, though, the bill was referred on to the Standing Committee on Legislation, which at the time uh, was made up of two Liberals and one National, uh, who formed a majority against two Labor uh, MLCs, uh, and their recommendations following their review that a lot of those provisions be stripped from the bill and that essentially it would just govern uh, foreign donations, which is still a very important reform, but it would have narrowed the scope of that bill significantly. Um, so as part of this article, I reached out to the Attorney General and Electoral Affairs Minister's office uh, to find out what was going on with this bill because as I understand it had just been sort of sat there since that review had come out Uh, and I was told that there was an intention to reintroduce that bill in this session of Parliament uh, but I wasn't given really any details as to when that is. There was also a, a word there in which they, the spokesperson said that there was an intention to make further improvements to the Electoral Act. Uh, although, again, I'm not exactly sure what those improvements were. Right, okay. And so how does the legislation compare to that of other states in Australia? So the, the two states that get brought up a lot when people talk about campaign finance reform are New South Wales and Queensland. New South Wales is probably the leader on this one. Uh, that state banned property developers from making political donations, which owed to this very long debate over the influence that developers had over planning ministers specifically and the perception that they may have been corrupting the process. There's not really any evidence of that, but there was this widespread idea that it may be happening. It was the same story in 2016 in Queensland. There were some local government elections that were observed by the anti-corruption watchdog in that state, and though there were no specific instances in which property developers donated to two candidates in exchange for favourable planning decisions, uh, there was again this perception that it might be happening. And so in order to combat that perception, this ban was instituted. And uh, originally, as I understand it, it was only to apply to local governments, but 
once it was to be legislated, it was expanded to include state candidates as well. I mean, those states go a lot further in terms of their caps on donations and the expenditure caps per seat. And as I understand it, WA's bill would not have been quite as far reaching as the legislation that's been implemented in uh, New South Wales and Queensland. But these states are generally considered to be the shining light on campaign finance reform. There's a Grattan Institute report that I reference in this piece uh, in which Queensland and New South Wales were given an A grading for their campaign finance laws. Uh, compared to Tasmania and the Northern Territory, which fall pretty far behind. WA sits somewhere in the middle. We're not exactly in a bad position, but there's a lot of room for improvement. And hopefully when people read this piece, they can understand some of those legislative uh, roadblocks that are there at the moment. I'm sure they will. Jordan, thanks so much for your time. And I look forward to seeing how this plays out. I'm sure you'll be on top of it when the bill returns. Thank Thank you. you. Cheers. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium, now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.